Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And we're wrapping up Cut It Out, Michigan. Yeah. Just cut it right out and stop. We are still not over. <laughs> we are disturbed. <laughs> still not over Monday. No. Or su- I mean Sunday. Sunday. Sunday's case. See, you don't even know what freaking I've day of the week it my is. My PTSD is full force. Yes, mine too. I haven't eaten meat all week. Oh, God. Thanks to you. No. So today, I get to horrify you. Oh. So you sit back with your wine. Thank you. May I have another? And yes, you may. And you just let me take over on the okay. the horror today. Okay. All right. Um, let's, let's hear it. So first of all, hey, thanks to Patreon, Teresa, and for forwarding this case, but then also for our friend Sam for tagging us in it when uh, someone recently posted about the anniversary, 22-year-old, 22-year-old, no, 22-year anniversary about this. Because this clay, this case, I swear I am not drunk. <laughs> I'm just straight up can't talk. You're, you're just not the same after uh, really not. the UP case. There was, there was a lot happening So there. much. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to Sunday's case. Uh, but anyway, this comes to us, this case. It's the Kipps Pizza Taco House case. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, I've only heard of, but I don't know the details. Oh, the details are Do there. Do I want to know them? No, you don't, but you are part of this podcast. <laughs> and so I will hear you're them. You're going to hear it. Whether you like it or not, and All even right. if you take your headphones off, you're still going to be able to hear me talk. <laughs> That's true. So there's no escaping me today. All right, tell me about Kips. This is from Jackson, Michigan, but a stone's throw. Oh my gosh, so close to us. Yeah. I go I, there for work. I know you do. I go there for dog food. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I go there a lot. I mean, other things too, but mostly I'm like, what ridiculous treats can I get my dogs this time? <laughs> yep. Just so everyone is aware, you guys know we are 70 some, almost 80 episodes in. You know the Ams and Charnel, Amborghini oh. and Chucky. I, <laughs> we like to bring like Ams. Ams. Ams and Nell. Yeah. Here we are. Sometimes I sign our Patreon stuff with weird names mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. us, but. You know that we like to bring you all the details that we can find. Okay. So many details. And I just need to apologize right up front. This happened in 1999. There is not a book about it. There's not a documentary about it that is substantial. I mean, there's brief news Uh updates. Okay. There's just not. And I think it's important to keep this poor victim story alive. Absolutely. But I'm sorry, I don't have background information for you. And it's not because I am a lazy podcaster. And I know you're not. I might be a tipsy podcaster sometimes, but I am not a lazy oh, one. Oh, no. You dive very deep into and cases. I drowned myself if I can. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. And, and this just wasn't one where there's a ton of information, but I bought court records 
They charge you a fee for some. It's ridiculous. So we're going to start our story with the married couple Kevin and Patricia Arts, known to friends as Kip and Patty. Okay. Isn't so, that so wholesome? Kip and Patty. It is. So this is the Kip of Kip's Taco House. It is the very same Kip. Do you like how sharp I am? I know. I really do. Kip and Patty owned Kip's Pizza Taco House. Now, I have an issue. It says Kip's Pizza Taco House. Now, either they didn't realize an and needs to be in there, they couldn't afford the and, the building wasn't big enough, I'm not sure. Or perhaps... Are we making pizza tacos? That's what I was wondering, too. Is it a pizza taco? All I know is that those are two very dominant dinners. We could do better, Kip. I don't know that they need to come together. I agree. I don't love the name. Can you specialize in both pizza and tacos? Mm. I feel like one is going to suffer as you focus on the other. I agree. Pick one and go with it. Kip's Taco House, great. Kip's Pizza House, great. Yeah, yeah. Kip's Pizza Taco House? Too much. I don't know. Too much. I don't know about a pizza taco. I wouldn't eat there because I'd be like, I don't know what this means. For sure. I don't want taco in my pizza. And I don't want pizza in my taco. Exactly. (laughs) So I would pass. Me too. Agreed. Agreed. And which, ironically, they have financial troubles, so we may not have been the only ones struggling with that inner battle. I think we're on to something. That food battle. You know, my palate can't understand it, so I shan't go there. Yep. But the restaurant was connected to their actual apartment. So they lived and worked in the same space. Okay. All the time. Oh, that's a lot. A married couple. Oh. All the time. Lots of time spent together. Yes. Small apartment, so their living quarters are not giving them time off from Mm -hmm. one another either. They'd been married for 12 years at this point in time in 1999. Oh, gosh, they probably just hated each other. Right? (laughs) I'm sorry. Just kidding. We'll get to it in a minute. Now, I have no idea how long they'd actually been together prior to this, and I'm sorry because I couldn't find background information on their childhoods, like I said. I do know that they both had children prior to being with one another, and I tried to listen to a couple other podcasts to see if they had any info, and honestly, they were so far off from the accurate info that I'm like, okay... Anything you do tell me now, I really don't trust because I don't believe your story. Like, Mm -hmm. you looked up a couple of MLive articles, slapped it together in an episode and called it good. Um, I, what I found in the court records are much more substantial and contradictory to what most of the MLive articles had said. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, "Mm, I don't, I'm not going to speak to how long they'd been together or what their childhoods were like or anything like that. Um, I do know that Kip was five years younger than Patty. Meow, Patty. Meow. Little cougar. On June 20th, 1999, the couple had thrown a pig roast for their family and friends, which Mm, is the most southern, Jack, like southern Michigan thing to do. Any type of meat event is too soon for me. You're so right. If you listen to Sunday's episode, a a barbecue or roast of any kind. Do it. That is what is crazy to me. We did not plan this. No. When we just told each other what our cases were, I didn't know your case. You didn't know mine. We started sharing details, and then we're like, holy we shit. We didn't know they were from Michigan. No. And we didn't know. There was dismemberment. Mm-hmm. There's barbecues. When you uh, said pig roast, I'm like, oh, God. Oh. Drama trigger. Right. 
Anyway. This was a legitimate pig, though. This wasn't serving a human and telling the whole family and friends. It had the features of a pig. It did. Okay. It did. It was 100% an actual pig. Good, good, good. Okay. Now, they had most of the trimmings that you'd find at a pig roast, including sweet corn. Okay. Which I was like, that's kind of early for the season because sweet corn's usually like August. End Mm. of August. This is... This is June 20th, but... Maybe it was canned. Okay. Judge-free. No, it wasn't. And I know that it wasn't canned. I'm impressed that you know that. Well, (laughs) it becomes a very big part of the story. Oh, okay. I know that seems weird why sweet corn would be a big part of the story, but... You dove in as much as you could. (laughs) tell you what. I know what people were wearing, what color... corn. Absolutely. So... Kip had bought the corn, the sweet corn, for the pig roast, and he was cleaning it in the kitchen sink of the Pizza Taco Taco Pizza House. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) I follow you. And it turns out it was freaking infested with bugs. (gasps) Oh, Oh, Kip. No. (laughs) That's the best. Just the rest of this episode, just keep saying that. (laughs) I will. Just like (laughs) that. Just like that. Yeah. Yeah. So now they have an infestation. So, oh, so they all, it was so bad that they got into the restaurant? It did. Yeah, because oh. he had the, you know, he had the corn sitting there. Yeah. And then he's putting it in the sink to clean it. He's shucking it. If you don't know what shucking sweet, sweet corn, corn is, yeah. you're missing out. I'm kidding. I, it's horrible. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. No. <laughs> but um, this, so this restaurant was like, you know, one of those local places, like a local little secret, but it financially was not doing well. So then you get bugs on top of that. Now they have to close so that they can fumigate the bugs. And the bugs aren't just in their restaurant. Their restaurant is connected to their house. So, like, I don't know how many bugs. If they're having a pig roast for their family and friends, I would imagine they had to have a substantial amount of sweet corn. Sure. And I would then deduce that the sweet corn, he probably bought it, Let set it. it. Sit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. While the, the bugs took their opportunity to nest. To snoop around, around them. Absolutely. They Get were, cozy. And they that they did in their oh. apartment, not just in their restaurant. So they have to do a whole fumigation. But the problem is they can't absorb the cost of an exterminator at this point in time. They decide to do the dirty work themselves so here they are pizza taco taco pizza house owners now going to become exterminators diy Mm -hmm. with the oh cap insecticides now according to kip when they were spraying the insecticide patty sprayed him with it because she was so absolutely pissed about his careless corn shucking that had caused all of this issue Oh, Patty, that is cancer-causing. Right, there are warning labels, ma'am. Yes, there are. Patty was also reportedly upset, and this is again by Kip, about the cost of the party in general. So she's already not pleased about having the party. Then she's super not pleased about bugs causing the party. And you know, when you're you're already not happy like yes it probably all comes out like yes and it all builds up mf you mm-hmm. spent this much money on this pig mm-hmm. yes on this food and now we have this infestation so we have to close so now we're not making any income yeah 
and whatever food that they had, you know, when you're closed for like at least a week or whatnot, you've got food that you had ordered that you now have to throw away. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lot. She's probably like, how's, how do you like your pig now, Kim? Right, right. Probably. There are some, there's some more there. There, I have some speculation about whether or not her reasonings for if she sprayed him or oh, okay. not. Okay. Nine days after the part after the party. Nope, sorry. Party and Patty in my notes look a lot alike, everyone. I bet they do. Nine days after Patty had allegedly sprayed Kip with the insecticide, he was admitted to the hospital. So now it's June 29th, 1999, and he had to undergo surgery for a brain bleed. Oh, oh wow. I know. It's twisty and turny. I thought you were going to say he had cancer already. No, no that was very Holy fast. Holy he had a hemorrhage on the left temporal lobe of his brain, and the cause of it was ter- was determined by his surgeon to be unknown. That's important. However, Kip claimed it was Patty's fault and had caused it by the insecticide. Like, he was convinced. Brain sprayed me. Because she sprayed with, me. Yep, yep. With the insecticide. How else does it kill the little buggers? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm sure the numerous years of medical school and experience that the surgeon had was totally wrong and that this man who makes pizza and tacos for a living and couldn't was check right. corn for bugs before bringing it into his restaurant is totally right. I don't know. For sure. Well, Kip had his surgery and he was released from the hospital on July 2nd, 1999. So he spent three days there and it was it was acknowledged that while he was coming off the sedation, okay, coming out off the morphine, coming out of his... um from waking up from his surgery, he had one episode of a hallucination, which is not uncommon in brain surgery patients coming out of an- anesthesia. Oh, I bet. And also, just so you all know, this is not me talking out of my tiny sphincter. Okay, this was <laughs> like actually testified to. All right, this, just so you know. Thank you for clarifying. I did read it with my retinas, but I did not. Not your sphincter. Yes. Did not just make it up with my sphincter. Nope. Good to know. Yes. Immediately when he returned home, Kip um, had to go hit his stash of the sweet, sweet kush. Oh. (laughs) Against his wife and medical advice, he smoked himself some marijuana. I mean, we all have our vices as we have talked about. And Kip's was marijuana and alcohol Oh. Absolutely, probably loved them more than Patty. Okay, so those were his things that he. Yeah, of course. Did now all that I time. say that, I don't think he loved Patty. Probably mm. more than pizza tacos. <laughs> okay. okay, he was hitting the marijuana hard. Gotcha. Frequently, and alcohol. Now, this had been an issue for Patty in the past, as I'm sure we can deduce. Mm-hmm. Apparently. He enjoyed hitting the sauce and the bong on a very regular basis, and she was straight up not okay with it. A fight ensued, and we know this information because Patty was in very regular close contact with her family. She was very close with her family. So her family could later come forward and testify that, like, yeah, this was a source of, of contention for this couple, Patty he, talked about a nonstop, probably. Yes, yes, of how frustrated that he, that she was, that their restaurant's not doing well, and he's just constantly Sitting back there, there with, with his, the bong. his sweet African kush, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, 
Business is failing, and he's yeah. back there with the cush. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I feel Patty on this. I would be upset too. Absolutely. And because of this, when Patty's family had not heard from her in two days, and she was not returning their attempts to at, at all to contact, which was not like her, whatever or whatsoever, mm-hmm. they went ahead on July fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, and Patty's sisters and Kip's father went a knocking. On Kip's Pizza Taco House doors and windows, which is also, you know, their apartment. Yeah. Now, the restaurant had been closed for several days at this point, of course, because of the infestation. So they were concerned, like, okay, they're not working. Kip is recovering from brain surgery and Patty's not returning our contact attempts. Like, what's going on? So so much going on at the time. Yep. Now, at, at... some point, Kip comes out. He appears just outside and inquires, like, what you guys doing? I'm picturing him all crazy from brain surgery, like, strung and out sweet on. sweet African kush. Yeah, strung out on a cushion booze. Like, right. Hey, guys. <laughs> head all yes. wrapped up. Hair just everywhere. Absolutely. Like, hey, fam. <laughs> What you doing? Like, creeping up behind them as they're knocking sure. on his window. Yes. Yeah. And they're just and he's they're like, um, yeah, so Patty hasn't returned our calls. You haven't returned our calls. What's up, Kip? Kip's like, Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Patty took our car and she went to go visit someone. That's one story. Another story he told is that Patty left him for someone. Well, Patty's sisters knew that Kip was lying because Patty had sold the car a day or two earlier. Oh, gosh. From their financial strain. And he forgot that with his... Yes. Yes. Brain issue. Or he might not have realized. Yeah, he was going through a lot. at this point in time, it had only been two days that they hadn't heard from her. So it is possible that she sold the car and either that's what pissed him off to the point of. And he didn't realize that she had told her family. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So uh, he definitely, I don't think, realizes that she told the family. Or maybe he didn't know yet that she had sold the car. Okay. I don't know. But she did have enough time to tell her family. So immediately they're like, "Mm, this is not okay. So the sisters call 911 and explain the situation. We can't find Patty. She isn't responding. Kip came out acting real strange, told us this story that we know to not be true. The responding officer was Deputy Wayne Bessard, and when he arrived, Kip reiterated that he last saw Patty when she left in their car. So Kip reluctantly allowed Deputy Wayne Bessard to take a quick look inside the restaurant. He did not want to let him in there. (laughs) I bet. After doing so... Deputy Bassard was convinced that something was wrong. So he leaves, consulted with his supervisors and Detective Thomas Fier- Fierro. Which, Thomas, if you're still out there working it, man, sorry if I butchered your last name. Bassard arranged to return to the restaurant to meet with Kip. Like, I'll be, he had told him when he initially left, like, I'm going to come back, you know, so I'll, I'll meet up with you later. So Kip mm-hmm. knew that the deputies were coming back. When Bassard and Detective Fierro arrived at the restaurant, they purposely arrived before their arranged meeting time to just kind of stake it out a little bit. Okay. 
And it's a good thing that they did because they witness Kip outside of the restaurant with a white box. And then he disappears around the corner. When Deputy Bassard and Detective Fierro catch up to Kip, he no longer has the box. So they're like, huh. They went through the restaurant a second time and they saw some brown drippings like watered blood from fresh meat. You know what that, you know, uh, we, I know. Yeah. Uh, and it was on newspapers by the oven. Okay. All right. Now, this is a kitchen. Sure. Okay. Sure. Now, he also saw, uh, that's Detective, uh, or excuse me, Deputy Bassard, saw a pan of cooked material in the kitchen sink. And the restaurant's closed, right? It is. The restaurant is closed because of the bug infestation. So we've got bugs. And we've we got, got cooking going on. Meat to cooking. Uh-huh. Red flags. Right. Oh God. Just a f- sailing. Yes. They could sail a they're, ship. They're exploding. They are. Water was running into the pan that was in the kitchen sink with the cooked material. So Detective Fierro turns off the water, and while doing so, he recognized the smell of burnt flesh. Oh, I'm a so smell s- that no one should ever know. No, but obviously he has before as a as a detective, and so that's not something you forget. Also, our sense of smell, fun fact, is our best memory. Mm. It is our biggest memory maker, mm-hmm. smell. So they discover where the white box went. Where did it go? The white box was on the porch of a neighbor, which actually was vacant. Nobody lived there. Oh, okay. Just sitting there because they arrived early for their meeting. So he's just like, oh, fuck, where am I going to put this? I'll just set this on this guy's porch. And when they opened it, they found Patty's severed skull (gasps) and And charred bones. I was thinking you were going to say a skull or a head of some kind. Yeah, her skull, her severed skull and and charred bones. I just have to take a moment to process that he just casually takes a box of these things outside and just sets it on the... Around the corner, sets it on the the neighbor who had moved out. Good job. Perfect timing on moving out, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'll just like, store this here for a, yes, just a bit. No While big deal. I talk to the police, Ugh. it's fine. They probably won't notice the rest of my wife in the kitchen. And I love that he waits until the last minute, too. Like, right. oh, my, my questioning's coming up. I better. Well, she had only been mis- reported missing for two days. And what we find out was this had actually just happened the night before. Oh, wow. So he knew they were going to come and see the... The cookings. No, no. That was all the same day. Their arranged meeting time. Like, hey, I'm here now, but I'm going to come back in a, in a couple hours. That was the same day. And they showed up early. So he was right. trying to dispose of the evidence. but So he had started cooking after that, you he, think? I think he had been cooking before. Okay. Yeah. But maybe yeah. he thought they wouldn't know what it was or something like very, that. Yeah, very possible. Ugh. I think he was cooking when the family was knocking on the windows. and oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and when the deputy Bassard went in and noticed right away, there's something weird about this kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when he went and talked to his supervisor and to the detective and was like, I'm going to be back. We're going to put a pin in this and I'm going to be back. Mm-hmm. 
And then that's when, you know, it, it's possible that Deputy Bassard didn't recognize the smell of burnt flesh either, like the detective did. Yeah. But he oh. knew something was not right and that they needed to come back, and, and they did. He went with his instincts. And he was trying to clean up as much as he could, for sure. Obviously, I probably don't need to tell you that the evidence that was established that Kip killed Patty in the apartment by hitting her in the head with a metal bar. Trigger warning, if you're eating anything, set it down now. Okay. I'm not, but... You may never again. I know. <laughs> I might not eat you're, again. You're I don't know. Hit your goal weight in After a week. this week, yep. I might give up eating. That's right. That's right. He then placed her body inside a sleeping bag and took it from the apartment to the restaurant. He dismembered her body in the restaurant and proceeded to bake, boil, and fry. And fry? And fry Patty's remains. Not for the intention of consumption. And I'll tell you why I, we believe that later. Kip had then cleaned the living room area of the apartment, which is where it's believed that the first blow happened to her skull mm-hmm. was around, um, especially around the couch. So he had washed the carpets and couch couch cushions. He also moved the furniture to conceal spots on the carpet. carpet. They did do luminol tests to reveal the presence of blood in the apartment and it was heaviest on the carpet near the couch. So that's why they believe she was on the couch when the attack occurred. Patty's DNA was found on the dining room table, on the tile in the apartment, on the restaurant floor, in the restaurant sinks, in the sleeping bag, and in, in Kip's fingernail scrapings. Oh, wow. So there's undisputable evidence that Kip dismembered Patty's body and then baked the bones and boiled or cooked the remainder. Mm, There's that physically ill feeling Mm -hmm. I get. And there it is. Let that settle in, everyone. Now, at this point, you might be like, Kip, but why? Why? I am. I'm like, oh, Kip. Why? Oh, (laughs) Kip. For sure. For sure. (sighs) Many sources claim that on the outside to the family and friends, when I say many sources, it's like mediocre news outlets. Okay. Okay. The interviewed like an obscure relative. Sure. Okay. That they're like, this is just crazy. They seemed really happy. Nothing was wrong. That's what you get like from some, one of the other podcasts that I listened to that covered this. Not many podcasts have. I, I only, I only found one and a half the half was just like this brief mention. It oh, wasn't gotcha. really a deep, it wasn't coverage of the case. When you get your hands on the court records, you learn a different story. There was plenty of evidence that Kip and Patty had marital difficulties. In 1992, Patty consulted with a divorce lawyer, telling him that there was physical and emotional abuse in the marriage. And this lawyer did testify in the trial. The marital difficulties continued after that time. Approximately two and a half years before she was killed, Patty told a friend that Kip tried to suffocate her with a pillow. Oh. There was also evidence of ongoing marital tension because of Kip's use of marijuana and alcohol, as reported by family and friends. Patty was especially concerned about Kip's continued marijuana use after his surgery. The other thing is, is that Patty was not allowed to use the telephone 
especially outside of Kip's hearing, without pissing him off royally. And the family knew of this. So we've got some power and control. Without a doubt. What I'm assuming is little man syndrome (laughs) going on right here. Kip informed several people of his belief that that insecticide that was sprayed was the cause of my hemorrhage and my brain surgery, and it is all her fault. Actually, the physician's assistant who regularly treated Kip over the years, like all the way back to 1995, we know. Okay. This person, this physician's assistant saw Kip three days before Patty's murder, and he testified that Kip was still angry about the bug spray and was still blaming Patty. Even though the surgeon that did the brain surgery let him know There doesn't seem to be an origin, like a cause for this. Sometimes this shit just happens. But he's like, nope. It wasn't the insecticide, dude. Yep, but he's like, oh, absolutely not. It is my wife. In addition to the evidence of marital discord, the prosecutor presented evidence that in July 1998, Kip talked to a man named David Whitling and indicated that he wanted uh, Patty to come up missing. If you aren't sailing on a ship full of red flags right now, I I think that you need to go back to detective school. So Kip asked if Whitling knew anyone who could, quote, do it. Oh, so he's like inquiring. Yes, I want Patty to come up missing. You know anyone? Serious inquiries only. Also, (laughs) right. Also, if I was David Whitling, who's clearly talking to police and like Mm. telling them all this, I would be like, of all your friends, why do you think it's me that would know a guy? Sure. Like, like, why are you asking me? Right. I know a guy to make your wife go missing. Yeah. It's fine. See? (laughs) Just like that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I would be insulted by that. Me too. Me too. In 1998, Kip also complained to Virgil Wireball. Oh, Virgil. Oh, Virgil, who was Patty's son-in-law. So Virgil is Patty's son-in-law. Okay. Married to Patty's daughter at the time. Gotcha. That Patty knew how to push his buttons. Okay. Yeah. Like. He's his, she's his wife. I could go upstairs right now, say three words that could absolutely push my husband's buttons. Like, sure. you are married to somebody for 12 you know years. What, you know yeah. how to put that. Like, no, yeah. Well, she's saying that in a way of like, I know how to push his buttons or. What Virgil is saying is that Kip was the one that was complaining. Like, that oh. woman always knows how to push oh, okay. my buttons. Gotcha. Yeah, it just wasn't, like that. <laughs> for sure. It wasn't Patty that okay. was saying that. It was Kip it was just Kip. bitching okay. about Patty. Gotcha. Yep. Now, Kip inquired about whether Wirebaugh ever got so mad at his own wife that he felt like killing her or having her killed. Because oh, that's normal conversation, conversation with your son-in-law. And so literally Virgil Wirebaugh is probably sitting here like, yeah, I don't think about killing Patty's daughter. No. How awkward. No. Now, have I ever been mad enough at somebody to picture a bitch slap across the face? Sure. Okay. Normal. Okay. Yeah. Normal. But murder? No. It's such a nonchalant. Like, you ever just think about you ever, killing you your ever wife? You just get so mad at your wife that you just 
think about killing her. That's called premeditation, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and you it'll get you first contemplating degree. murder. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then in that same conversation, Kip also pondered about how much it would cost to find a killer. Like, what's the going rate for a hitman? Craigslist. That's where, it. Where do you find one of these people? Yeah. What do you think they're pulling these days? Oh my days? gosh, he is like hand serving his suspicion. Like, to so many people, he can't just be quiet. So after his surgery, Kip told Virgil Wireball that Patty was treating him like a child. Okay, but honestly, so far from what I've heard about you, Kip, you need it. Like, he was stupid, low-hanging fruit. I'm going to leave that one right there. (laughs) There was also evidence that in the early 1980s, Kip had a conversation with Michael Willis about the capture of a famous serial killer. I don't know which one it was. I wanted to know. We can only speculate. There were so many in the early 80s. For sure. But during that conversation, Kip indicated while using a low voice, so I'm going to use one, that he could commit a perfect murder. What What is wrong with you, Kip? He said that he would cut the person up and boil the meat so that the corpse would not stink. Oh, my gosh. Then he would throw the meat in a dumpster, which is something that many restaurants do. He planned this for years. Absolutely. Like, he, this was on his mind. And you... Maybe could have got away with it if you hadn't have forgot about the fact that this person was loved by her family and someone would be looking for her. It's not a pig or cow that doesn't have relatives to search yeah. for it, sir. She was talking to her family every day, it sounds yes. like. Like, all the time. Right, right. Like, it's a, yes, I could, I could plan the perfect murder. I'm going to cut the person up and boil the meat and then throw it in the dumpster. Except the fact that people are oh, going to come my- looking. And I keep telling people about this. And I keep asking people how to make my wife go missing. Oh, and shoot, my restaurant's closed. Oh, by the way. Darn it. I forgot about that. Yeah. So oh. why would I be freaking throwing stuff away when my restaurant's been closed for like a month at this point in time? Because he had brains. It was closed before his brain surgery. Because mm-hmm. that's when they were doing the fumigation. Then he had the brain surgery. He was really least on July 2nd, she was murdered, or he, she was, excuse me, uh, reported missing on the 15th. So at this point, and the barbecue was on the 20th. Oh, too soon. <laughs> too soon. Sorry, I cannot <laughs> say those three letters in sequence, do you? No, I'm kidding. Did they take part of Kip's brain? Nope, Kip's oh, brain okay. was intact. Okay, I'm just As a curious. matter of fact, the surgeon comments on how easy Kip's surgery was. Oh, okay. So as far as I'm concerned, Kip's being a whiny bitch. So he's fully coherent, because yes. I'm picturing, like, Kip he had a, with maybe a piece of his brain missing. And no, no. Kip, he's like, oh, I'll get away with this. Kip had a very small hematoma on the left side of his brain. It was very easy to get rid of. Okay, so it was he a was, very... That's why he was released after only, you know, you three know, days in the hospital. He went you, in on the 29th, he was released on the 2nd. Yeah, you. when you mentioned that, I do. I was thinking, like, wow, that was fast. Mm-hmm. So... Yes, because it was it was NBD, as far <laughs> as surgeons are tiny concerned. Tiny little brain surgery. Yes, okay. yes. This information is super important for the prosecution to establish you know premeditation because kip did not dispute that he killed patty 
but he was claiming that he was not guilty by reason of insanity. I mean, obviously, I'm sure it goes without saying, he was arrested right away, and he wasn't denying it. But he's like, yeah, I was insane. He was trying to claim that he was insane from, from the, his teeny the brain little surgery. brain surgery. Yes. Okay. From his NBD surgery. Yep. Now, according to Kip, on the night of the murder, he had fallen asleep in the living room. Patty woke him up, and at which point he immediately hallucinated, thinking that she was the devil, and struck her with the closest closest object that he could find, which happened to be a metal bar, because we all keep metal bars in our living room when we're watching Three's Company. Why not? (laughs) Just, yeah. Laying by the couch. Yep. Only after killing her did he realize that he had struck his wife and not Satan himself. Oh. Oh. I fucking hate it when that happens. I can't tell you how many times. it's not the devil. Shit. It's not the devil. (laughs) Darn it. Yes. Oh, poor kid. Ah. Those hallucinations will get you. Has everything to do with the surgery and nothing to do with the marijuana? Yeah. I don't know why I'm a leprechaun. Yeah, but I there I am. You had a le- leprechaun tone. I, I, I don't hate it. No so. clue where that came from. So the defense maintained that Kip was mentally insane and not responsible for his actions. Patty was last seen on July 13th, and he told investigators. She was killed on the 14th and then discovered on the 15th. Gotcha. She was last seen and heard from on the 13th. This was a quick discovery. Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. Because he might have almost got away with it. Yeah, really? I mean, I mean if truly. it wasn't for her family, like, mm-hmm. something's up. Truly. Very quickly. Which, again, the reason the family was suspicious because they knew about the tumultuous relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... That's why they were suspicious right off the bat. So all of the sources that are like, oh, they were a happy married couple. No one ever knew. Clearly Check they were not. Check your facts, man. Buy those court reports, people. Yeah, they it's don't, not. They don't lie. Yeah. But no, I mean, honestly, kudos to the family because like in many cases, it could be a <sighs> couple takes, days. She's yes. a grown woman. Yes. It's like, oh, I haven't heard from you in a few and days. And as much as I hate, I, I hate to admit any of this the way he was going about it, he might have been able to get away with it, with the exception of she took the car that yeah. I know people, you know, that he that they had already sold. Had they not come on, you know, come to the <laughs> house during the cooking process. And put all that together. Right. That, um, no, she sold the car. She didn't take off with the car. But that still would have been his word against theirs. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Well, they would have ran the, I'm sure the police, the Jackson police do a great job. I'm sure they would have ran the plates and like figured out that it was sold and transferred. True, true. But But still, still, it's just a quick, like it all unfolded very quickly. Yes, yep. So the defense presented two experts who testified that he was legally insane at the time of the murder. Okay. There was Edward Cook, a neuropsychologist. Stop. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. That is his freaking name. These are just too perfect. Oh, God. You couldn't have teed it up any higher. No. Shit. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Edward Edward, Cook. Edward Edward Cook. Cook. That's what we have. (laughs) Dr. Cook is all I can bring you. Neuropsychologist. Shit, people. It's just too perfect. 
but he testified that Kip had an organic psychotic condition, and because of his mental illness, he lacked substantial capacity to appreciate the nature, quality, or wrongfulness of his conduct. To which I want to say, Mr. Cook, why then did he try to dispose of the evidence? Right. Okay. If he didn't realize it was wrong. Right. He would not have went to the great lengths of dismembering and cooking, boiling and frying his wife's. But what he's trying to say is, no, no, he did all of that out of insanity. And the prosecution's like... Uh, bitch, please, he mm-hmm. did that to get rid of the evidence, as evident as from his he, conversation in the, in the 1980s. 80s, right? As he had planned he, in right, the 80s to Where do. he whispered to a man that he could get away with the perfect murder. The low whisper makes it even more know, sinister, sure, like, sure. I could get away with this. For sure. You know? <laughs> All you have to do is cut them up. And boil, and boil the body. Also fry them. Just a little bit of panko. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's what... He, he had been planning this for years. For sure. Decades. Yes. Je- really? Oh, Lord. So then Bradley Seawick, a doctor of clinical psychology and a board-certified neuropsychologist, testified on the defense's half that Kip had a cer- cerebral bleed that was deep destructive, and it was a severe stroke which not only affected Kip's speech, but also affected his ability to think in a logical and rational manner. Now, Miss Dr. Seawick believed that the, stro- that the stroke and surgery caused a devastating insult, insult to Kip's nervous system and that Kip suffered a great destruction of nerve cells in his brain. Here's the thing. He didn't have a stroke. He had a brain bleed. I was just going to ask if he had a stroke. No. He said he concluded that Kip was in a confused, psychotic state at the time that he killed Patty. He suffered from delusions and hallucinations, and as a result of the of the mental illness of delirium, Kip did not appreciate the wrongfulness of his conduct and lacked sufficient capacity to conform his conduct to the requirements of the law. Again, this is not a treating physician. He did not do the say, surgery. Where did he get his information? Right? So... He got his information from, from his... Kip. <laughs> okay? Because then the prosecution's like, our turn. I'm going to go ahead and refute your insanity defense and literally throw this shit down. So they went ahead and had the neurosurgeon that performed that Kip's surgery, surgery. And he testified that Kip had a... A cerebral hematoma on the left temporal lobe of his brain, which controls speech. The clot was present in the brain for one or two days, but it was not acute. Okay. So it, it was it, it was present for just a couple of days. It was a small one before it was caught it was taken out. Now the evacuation of the blood clot was relatively easy and no abnormality was found in the brain. The cause of the hemorrhage was never determined. After surgery, Kip suffered from aphasia, which is word-finding difficulty, while his process of thinking was not impaired. The conversation of thought to speech was impaired. He had literally what it says. He had a difficult time for a moment finding words. Okay. Because where the bleed was on his brain, controlled speech. Gotcha. So he could so he was struggling with words but he could still think rationally. Absolutely because it was not 
in that area of the brain that controls all those other things. And this is it's only the person that did the surgery. Correct. And there was there were no abnormalities in his brain. There was no nerve damage. They the literally brain. took the the hematoma they off, did. and that which, was it. Which is just a little bit of blood. He had like, like a little like blood a, pimple. Just a little blood pimple, and they just okay, just sucked it right out of there, and and in put him back not, together. Uh, yes, and not unusual for them to have aphasia after such a surgery for a short time. Mm-hmm. He they referred him to speech and occupational therapy. Okay. And the neurosurgeon testified that there, like I said, that there was no nerve damage to the brain at all. So this other dude that's like, oh, he had a stroke and the surgery caused devastating insult to his nervous system. And he had the other, you know, the dude that's like the bleed was deep destructive and it was a severe hemorrhage stroke where there was no medical evidence presented to show that. It was all BS. Yes. Yep. Now, the treating physician did note, like he did absolutely acknowledge the existence of a hospital note reflecting that Kip had a hallucination. And he explained that this hallucination occurred within a day after the surgery when when Kip was recovering, like coming out of the anesthesia. And he said that he was instantly sick, like he instantly vomited. He knew, you know, which is also a part of the hallucination as well. Um, the prosecution prosecution's most extensive rebuttal testimony came from Dr. Joseph Galdi, a neuropsychologist with the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Center for Forensic Psychiatry. Now, Kip had stayed at the center for five months for a court-ordered evaluation before the trial, and this doctor was the one who evaluated and saw him. Okay. Okay. It's a state-run facility that evaluates criminal defendants for both criminal responsibility and competency to stand trial. So uh, they do, you know, impartial evaluation. They work directly for the courts, not for the prosecution, not for the defense. They're just solely impartial. Now, according to Dr. Galdi, Kip's personality test did not show any signs of psychotic or paranoid thinking. He did not show any signs of hallucinations, paranoia, paranoia, or psychosis during his time at the center. And he testified that Kip that Kip only talked about Patty as a demon or a devil after the murder and after he had been like in contact with his lawyer. Gotcha. So there was no talk of that before. Correct. When he was initially claiming he was talking, saw the devil. When he was initially talking to the police. That was never mentioned. Nice try, Kip. Uh-huh. There was no basis to conclude that Kip met the criteria for legal insanity. Galdi testified that problem-solving and analytical functions are controlled by the frontal brain, which was not affected by Kip's uh, brain bleed mm-hmm. on his left temporal lobe. They really tried to run with this they, brain surgery. They really did. Mm-hmm. Kip's residual aphasia would not have caused him to commit illegal activity. Having problems finding words doesn't make you psychotic to kill someone, in Mm -hmm. other words. He was not suffering from delirium or major depressive disorder. And 
Also, it should be noted that in 1995, his physician's assistant did testify that he had been prescri- he'd been prescribing Kip Prozac for stress and anxiety, which owning a restaurant, that does not surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's something that Kip actually asked for. And the physician's ex- uh, assistant did say that he did not have to do a psychological, like a full psychological workup prior to prescribing him the dosage of Prozac that he gave him and that because he only had minor anxiety symptoms they did stop that Prozac before his surgery and there's been like rays of like oh people who suddenly stop Prozac can go you know temporarily insane or or whatever but he wasn't on a on a huge dosage of it to begin with and again he had the, the thought process to try to cover this up. So, true mm-hmm. psychotic episodes don't. We've seen, we've covered some cases where there's psychotic episodes where they literally call 911 and are like, yeah, like I, I just, just killed this, this, yeah, this yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, outside of the possibility that intoxicants were involved, such as marijuana and alcohol. That African kush. The, that sweet African kush. Sweet, Absolutely. delicious kush. Kip had no mental illness at the time that he killed Patty. Now, I love this name. Manfred Griffenstein. Oh, that's good. A psychologist specializing in both neuropsychology and sleep disorders testified that the defendant did not suffer from any type of sleep disorder at the time of the crime, proving that he was not sleep deprived. Showing, you know, you weren't psycho- psychotic from a sleep, lack of sleep delirium. Kip mm-hmm. just had no chance here. He gets caught quickly. He'd already been for planning sure. this for years. Clearly. And now there's just like, there's so much evidence saying like, yeah, no, good try. An- another forensic psychologist came, uh, testified to Charles Clark and said, listen, Kip is not truthful because he told inconsistent stories about Patty's, Patty's death during evaluation and investigation. So during the evaluation phase when he's being evaluated by psychologists after speaking with his lawyer is when he mentioned she looked like the devil. And then during the investigation, he was just like, no, it, it's because of my brain bleed. Yeah. And, you know, it's totally different. Kip's psychological test results showed mild reactive depression, but no major depressive disorder. Clark noted that Kip had no uh, documented major depressive depressive condition before the brain injury. He concluded that at the time of the killing, Kip had no substantial disorder of thought or mood, was in touch with reality, was aware that he was in legal jeopardy, and was not operating under the influence of hallucinations or delusions. Did anyone bring up questioning his sanity for serving pizza and tacos at the same place? <laughs> I never that, found that information, but you might be onto something, That is sister. what I would have went right. with. You Why? Can, you cannot trust mm-hmm. a man Mm-mm. serving pizza and tacos yeah, exactly. at what the same is place. Nope. And then naming themselves after uh, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No. So finally, Moses Moon- Moonquiz, a cardiologist. <laughs> oh my God, your case is plentiful with also, the name i messed that up it's moses moose quiz there still are still good there still are two good. z's in this give me another name where someone has two z's that aren't right next door to yeah. each other because these I like it. these z's one is at the beginning and one is at the end moose quiz moose quiz i'm moses moses <laughs> moose quiz that's a nice name yeah. i like it so he's a cardiologist and he testified that kip's 
cerebral bleed was superficial and did not penetrate the brain. There were no vascular deformities after the surgery. No permanent ongoing brain damage was physically evident. So what they what the prosecution did, which is smart, is take another doctor who deals with seeing, I know he's a cardiologist, but if you're not aware of this, actually literally can have a bleed go from your heart to your brain pretty quickly. And so they had him testify as like as a neutral party. So he's not the doctor that did the surgery, but he is an expert of the field to show, hey, guys, these scans are showing that this bleed was not penetrating the brain like the defendant, you know, like Kip's Uh expert was saying. Yeah. The jury rejected Kip's defense that he was mentally insane at the time of the crime, in part due to the methodical cutting and destroying of Patty's body over the course of days. Also the testimony from the physicians who had treated him. The judge convicted him of first degree murder, premeditated murder as a matter of fact. (laughs) Very premeditated. Yes, in March 2001. So the now retired circuit judge Edward Grant sentenced him to life in prison without the possibility of parole in 2001. Now, after, remember Kip's name is actually Kevin, just so you, I know you've all forgot that by now. Yes, Kevin Arts. So after his conviction, his father Lloyd Arts told reporters that he believed his son, his son had mental instability and did not feel that his sentence was just. He, his quote was, there was no truth in, the, in their case. Kevin didn't even know what color suit on, what color suit he had on today. Which, when you're going for the insanity plea, you do play that up a bit. Sure. Lloyd's statements were echoed by his other, by Kip's other children as well. Shortly after the arrest, uh, Kip's brother, Brigid Carlson, blamed his recent brain surgery, telling reporters he should have never been released from the hospital and we were all worried sick. He didn't even know who Patty was. That was during the hallucination when he was coming out of the anesthesia. I get it. This is his family. It's hard to Absolutely. accept. Now, another unidentified sister told the press that that the family believed that Kip had been released from the hospital too soon because of his lack of health insurance. So, yeah, I I get that, too. Mm -hmm. Sure. Now, Kip has appealed and appealed and appealed and appealed. Oh, I'm sure. And appealed. Are they like, bro, you boiled your wife. Sorry. Yes. His first appeal was in 2003, and it would be the start of many a string of appeals. A lot of his appeals are like pulling at threads of like, hey, you guys didn't serve this paper. You guys mm-hmm. didn't. It's Just not anything he can find. Yeah, because he there's undisputable evidence that he dismembered so much and evidence. cooked his wife. And planned it for a long time. Yes. So the, the process, the, uh, what they did in 2003 is he was like, listen, you showed photos of the bones, the charred bones. And you did that for sympathy from the jury to convict me. And the court of appeals was like, nay, nay. The prosecutor had to de- had to pro- prove premeditation and deliberation because you were going for the insanity plea. Your defense was insanity. So by showing the pictures, it showed the jury the extent that yeah. you went to to try to cover this murder up, in which case it was necessary. I love that that's his thing. Like, oh, you showed these photos. 
the, this brutal murder that I committed. Yeah. Like, I did this, but you use those photos for pity. What? Yes. Exactly. Oh we are pulling at little yes. hairs. He appealed. Obviously, that one was denied. He appealed in 2007, which led to an evidentiary hearing because Dr. Galdi, who was the um, physician that saw him for the five months that he was at the um, state psychiatry center, um, said that Kip suffered from marijuana-induced psychosis. So information that came to light in a letter that Galdi wrote like to the U.S. district judge in Detroit. Now, basically what it comes down to is Galdi is like, yeah, he was super into marijuana. Mm-hmm. And, and it did have an effect on him. Absolutely. But basically the Court of Appeals is like, yeah, that doesn't mean you're insane. You, no, you just you, made bad choices. Right, you were p- probably high and killed sure. your wife, but then you dismembered her and cooked her. It doesn't but make you still not you. guilty. Right. And you should now be freed from jail. Like you had a choice whether or not to smoke excessive amounts of marijuana Correct. and you chose to do yep. that. So yep. sure, you were probably high, mm-hmm. but you that's still your fault. Like you can't go ahead and shoot up heroin and commit a crime and, and then like, claim oh. insanity because yeah. of the heroin like, and even go if, free. Right. If, even if you were high. Right. AF, yeah, you still did, did it. it. Yeah, so you're, sorry, denied, you're not going free. The latest update that I could find is in 2006, according to an MLive report, the U.S. Court of Appeals in Cincinnati, Ohio, affirmed that a lower federal court's decision to denied KIPP um, a writ of habeas corpus, um, which is a right of, of detained Americans to challenge their imprisonment. So... He is 59. He remains in prison, serving life sentence at the Gus Harrison Correctional Facility in Adrian. We know where that is, too. Now, um, Patricia Arts was only 46 at the time of her death. Oh, wow. Rest in in peace, Patty. Yeah, that's really sad and disturbing. Yes. Yeah. And he, like, planned this for so long. I mean, obviously, he's like, he knew... For a long time that he was capable of murder. To For just sure. be like, oh, if I'm ever going to do it, this is how I'm going to do it. And then he starts talking about doing that with Which, Patty. Not even, exactly. That's the thing. Because not even to say you and I, after doing this podcast, sometimes we're like, well, that was stupid. If I was in trouble, you know, if I was doing this, this is what I would do. Which, you know, hindsight, you had whatever. very helpful suggestions but, in our last case. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I possibly, you know, made myself <laughs> like, a suspect. This is what I would have done. <laughs> right, right. So I'm not saying that you can't have BS conversations like that. Right. But to literally lower your voice and be like, I know how to commit the perfect murder. So shady. You cut him up. Or if you came you to me and you were like. Then throw away their meat. Um, okay, yeah. Why are we whispering? Or if you come to me and you're like, have you ever thought about killing, you know, your partner? Yeah. Right, right, right. Burying exactly. Him in the backyard. How much do you think that would cost? Yeah, like, do you know anybody that's doing that yeah. these days? What's, what's the going I'm gonna rate? Be really okay. concerned. Right, exactly. <laughs> that is suspect mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. So that's that. Thank huh. you for the suggestion. Multiple people suggested yeah, thank it. Thank you. Um, we've we've covered it. We hope we've satisfied the need. 
Have we satiated you, people? Uh, pizza, tacos, and barbecues are all done for done. me. Done. Great. We really will be the fittest. I'm gonna have of abs the, the summer for sure. We we're going to be the fittest the podcast. That's sure. what we're gonna be for sure. What's your secret? Trauma. <laughs> secret is trauma. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That is the best answer ever. <laughs> what's Seriously your, though. What's your the trauma diet secret? Sorry, I just scratched my microphone. Good. I heard In that. a traumatic <laughs> act, but no, I just yeah, all of the delicious foods that I enjoyed, they're like destroyed. Literally what's left? Chicken, kale, spinach, yeah. eggs. That's- Oh, see, we have choices. Great. Macaroni and cheese is still there on the table. Oh, carbs. I yeah. love them. Yep. Potatoes. Nothing has nobody's done safe. anything horrible to a potato yet. Yep. Give so it. we're good. Someone's going to send us uh, a potato there's case. There's going to be now. a potato killer or something. <laughs> you know it. Someone was mummified and looked yes. like a potato. Hid in a big bin of potatoes <laughs> right. or something. Oh, my God. You're oh. right. Okay. Are you ready for a brain bath? I'm ready. I have just a cute little ditty for you. It's from UPI.com. I'm sure they weren't the only people to cover this story. But it was Texas driver cited for using carpool lanes with skeleton passenger. <laughs> and before you ask, because this is a morbid as fuck podcast, it's not a real skeleton. Oh, Halloween I was decor. Okay. Halloween decor, Thank you. everyone. I had questions. Yes. Like, have, have these things become funny now? No. To us? <laughs> no. We have, I know we can't see the line anymore. No, but it's I gone. knew I knew not to cross that one for a brain bath. Good. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. I'm learning right. boundaries of our humor. Okay. So September 30th, just this year. Oh, you fresh brain bath. I'm trying. I'm trying to come in hot with the freshness. Authorities in Texas said a driver using a high-occupancy vehicle lane was ticketed when deputies noticed the only passenger was a Halloween skeleton. This is not something that we have in Michigan that I am aware of, that I've run into. But I do understand that many states have a, if you have a bunch of people, you drive in this lane. It's my understanding. So he was driving because he had a skeleton. Yes, I see no problems here. The the Harrison County Precinct 5 Constable's Office, I swear to God, that's what it says, and I love it, said in a Facebook post that a driver was pulled over by deputies who noticed the driver was the only human being in the vehicle while it was using the the Katie Holloway HOV lanes. You've got a lot of time on your hands if you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Also, I apologize because it's the Katie Tollway HOV lanes. I read it like it was a name. I read it Holloway. I like it. I'm sorry. Katie, the the Katie Tollway HOV lanes. The passenger seat of the vehicle was occupied by a skeleton Halloween decoration wearing a hat. Uh, wouldn't you know it? And it, I mean, and it was a pretty trendy hat, too. It was one of the flat safari hats. Oh, nice. Yeah, she was on point. I like it. Our, the quote, our deputies saw right through the ruse and issued the driver a bona fide citation, the post said. And quote, after a sternum lecture, deputies wished him, wished him bone viage. 
<laughs> Wished him bon voyage. I oh, like shit. it. Okay. That was good. Cute. Cute. <laughs> I just like it when sheriff's departments put up cute uh, Facebook posts so that everything they're covering is not like grim yeah. and gross, you know? Yes, I do so too. it's just like something, you know, play on words like that. Like, oh, I appreciate that as you well. You got a bona fide citation. <laughs> Look at you being cute. <laughs> All right. Well, follow us on social media. Leave us reviews if you feel so inclined. Um, we Don't read give them. up on we us. We love them. If you want more of us, CrimeCuriousPatreon.com is there for you. You three, five, ten dollars a month gets you more and more of us, and access to our private Facebook group where we have lots of fun. Yes. Hopefully and we haven't disturbed anyone this week. It's been a you have disturbed uh, many a so people this I, week. Yeah, you're right. My nightmares are from you. Thank you. But it's been, it is, it is a good time in there. So that's what keeps our podcast running. What else? Keep it curious. Keep it so curious. And keep listening. That'd be great. Telling your friends about us. You never know who's into true crime and creepy stuff. I know. There's been a few where I'm like, I wouldn't have guessed that for you. Yeah. Some people that follow us that we know personally, I'm like, like what? Girl, I didn't know we had that in common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Until next time when we dramatize you from other Again. sorts of food product. <laughs> it's the crime curious diet. It is. <laughs> too far, too I far. Love it. I'm on the crime curious diet. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Until then, everyone. Yeah, bye. Yeah, goodbye. We have nothing else. Send us your therapy bills. We understand. Yeah. yeah. And we We've love got you, you all. <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Bye.